What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, Wellpreneurs. Welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm coming to you from sunny Hong Kong. It's nice and warm. It's like in the mid 80s and I'm really enjoying it. This week, I've got an interview with Allison Stevens of Prep Dish. And Allison has been really highly requested as a guest. So I've received lots of messages from you guys, a few from my personal clients, specifically asking to hear from Allison, and then also a couple other requests asking to hear from a personal chef. So Allison fits the bill for both. And I think you'll really enjoy this interview. Allison ran a successful personal chef business for five years before realizing that delivering in-person personal chef services weren't really the best fit for this next phase of her life. So that's why she started Prep Dish, which is an online meal planning subscription service. And Allison generously created a special offer just for Wellpreneur listeners. So if you'd like to try Prep Dish, you can get two weeks totally free out at prepdish.com slash wellpreneur. And I'll put the links for that in the show notes, which you can get right on your phone or also at my website, wellpreneuronline.com. So enjoy this episode. And then if you'd like to try her service, definitely click on preptish.com slash wellpreneur and give it a try. Hi, Allison. Thanks for joining me on the show. Hi, it's good to be here. I'm really glad that you came on as a guest because I've had a few requests actually from my audience to have somebody on the culinary side come on the show because we have lots of health coaches and yoga teachers and nutritionists, but we haven't had a personal chef yet. So I'm really excited that you're here. Oh, I'm glad I can be the first one. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your business, Prep Dish. Yeah. So actually, I'll tell you too, um, with Prep Dish, I actually started out as a personal chef, as you mentioned. And I still have that company. It's Prep Dish Personal Chef. But then after creating the personal chef company and working with clients one-on-one, I realized there was a way that I could reach more people of the system I was using. So I was using the system with personal chef clients of visiting them once a week, prepping their meals ahead of time, and then I'd leave them in containers, label them, and leave specific instructions on how to reheat throughout the week. And as I was doing this, one-on-one and you know you can fill up pretty fast five to seven clients and you're really pretty full i came up with this idea of doing online meal plans and basically wrote out my process that i was using with my personal chef clients for all these years and then put this into an online product (laughs) take us through that process because i know a lot of you know like you were saying you're really limited in how many clients you can work with one-on-one so like what were you yeah how did you even decide to to make that leap and how did you know where to start Well, part of it was when I first started, I I knew I loved cooking and I really loved my work as a personal chef. I loved working one-on-one with clients and getting to see firsthand, you know, how the food was really making a difference in their lives. And, you know, after five years, I really kind of got to this point where I was sort of feeling burned out and also feeling like if I wanted to, I wanted to have a family someday and I just didn't 
see the job as a full-time personal chef as being in line with that goal of having a family. Cause I thought, gosh, I don't know if, you know, I can keep doing this for the next 30 years of my life because as amazing as it was, it just, you know, it's hard on your body to be up and cooking all day long. And I also love to travel and wasn't able to do that as much. And so I, I just wanted sort of a, a change in, in lifestyle. And that was sort of what prompted me to think sort of bigger in a way, I guess. So you knew that you had this system of like prepping mm-hmm. a couple hours a week and then so that people could recreate that at home. How did you know like how to package it up? Uh, yeah, I, I talked with people. <laughs> you know, I kind of came up with some prototypes and then sent it out to friends to get feedback. And, you know, it's something that I did early on. That's something I still do today. I am constantly in touch and t- communicating with my subscribers and knowing what works for them, what doesn't. Each month they, you know, get surveys on, you know, specific meals, but also, you know, what formats work, what things, you know, am I not providing and trying to just really get in on what are their pain points and how can I help with those. And so from the very beginning, that's something I was always asking about. Awesome. Really good marketing detective work. (laughs) That's something that can save so much time because I think like we'll put all this pressure on ourselves. Like we have to figure it out. Like we should just know what to do. But actually, if you just ask people in your audience, they'll tell you. And that's the quickest way to make something that people want to buy. Exactly. Yeah. So what about the technology side? Because I think that can be a big sticking point for people. How did you, you know, even get your product set up online? Yeah, that honestly was a a big challenge and in a way continues to be a challenge. You know, I started with sort of this combo of WordPress and MailChimp, but getting those two platforms to communicate was not always easy. And so then I, you know, found a subscription-based service and had that communicating with MailChimp. And then recently I've just made a switch to Infusionsoft. And I guess with each of those steps, it was I would always just go out and find people that were sort of doing what I wanted to do and figure out what they were, how they were doing it. Um, and it wasn't necessarily someone doing a meal plan. It could have been, you know, another um, professional that just had a similar service. And, you know, each one was sort of a stepping stone. I could have jumped right into using a fusion, infusion soft, but each time it was just sort of figuring out how to get it out there. Mm-hmm. And was that something you were able to set up on your own or have you had to like build a team to help you? Yeah, I've, I've had to build a team. In the early days, you know, as I, I worked with a, a designer and a web developer, um, just as contract help, and they helped kind of pull everything together. And then, gosh, I'm trying to think. So I was using a, this, a subscription platform that was called Crate Joy, And they were awesome because they had support. And so I really could do it because they sort of built everything. And then I just kind of plugged in my meal plans. And so they had sort of some on some support that they offered just from using their product. And I think a lot of the, you know, kind of products are like that. But with Infusionsoft, um, that's something I'm only a few months into using. And I actually have my my husband has been helping out with that. So that's been really nice. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard heard that's one of those tools that it's like so powerful, but you definitely need somebody that's technical or that knows what they're doing to really help you take advantage of it. It's so true. There's like, it's got so much capability, but figuring out how to wrangle it in and actually make it work for you. It's, it's a lot. I can see, you know, it gets to be overwhelming, but then at the same time, it's just amazing how much power it has and what it can do once you do figure it out. So. Mm -hmm. Was there anything that really surprised you as you were setting up your subscription service? Like, was there something that you weren't expecting, not necessarily on the technical side, but 
just with transitioning to a, an online product or with your clients? Yeah, you know, I don't think going into it, I don't think I had it was so new to me. So in a way, that's a good thing because you don't really know what to expect. So when there are surprises, in a way, they're not surprises because like everything's just new. But yeah, there's, you know, it's just, it's a big learning curve. And I think with the online thing, it's just how often you can never predict what's going to stop working. And you, a lot of the things that, you know, if something stops communicating, it's not like, oh, well, if I would have done X, Y, and Z, that wouldn't have happened. Sometimes it's like, well, that that was just going to happen regardless of what I did. So it's like you can't always plan for what's going to come up. You just have to be ready for every anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's totally true. Like something will get upgraded and then like it breaks and it doesn't work with anything else anymore. And <laughs> suddenly your Tuesday is like derailed, right? And you end up exactly. having to do something else. Yeah, that's just kind of part of the fun of technology, I think. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us about your online marketing. What do you feel like is working for you really well right now? You know, figuring out influencers. So there's different, you know, health influencers and getting them to sort of try out the meal plans and talk about them. That's been really helpful. I've actually done some work with advertising on podcasts. Um, That's um, been doing fairly well for me. I do run Facebook ads. And yeah, I think those are sort of the three major ones. But a lot of it's just, you know, figuring out who are those influencers and how can I partner with them. And there's so many different ways that you can partner with someone. So sometimes also it's like looking at each specific person and like, what's the best thing? Like, should we do something together? Should I have them do a review of the meal plan? And, you know, there's all these different ways you can work with people. But the first step is finding who are those, you know, key influencers out there. Oh, yeah. Will you tell us more about that? I mean, that strategy has so much potential and I think can feel really overwhelming, like to even know where to start. Like you said, like, who, how do you know who to contact to start with? It goes back to what I was saying earlier of, um, you know, talking with my subscribers. And so when I survey them, that's something I ask. I say, hey, who's out there that you guys are listening to that really, who's your favorite cookbook author and who, what podcasts are you listening to? Uh, What blogs are you reading? Who are you following on Instagram? And so I asked my subscribers who they're already paying attention to because, you know, really I just want more subscribers like the ones I already have. And so it's just figuring out where, where they're at. And they, they really have given me some good leads there. That's where I start. Mm -hmm. And then what's the kind of, once you found the influencers, what are the kind of activities that you're doing with them? I know you mentioned like being interviewed on podcasts or sponsoring podcasts or doing partnerships. How do you approach that knowing how best to work with that person? Yeah, some of it, well, so part of it is when you do something with any influencer, I always try and track as much as I can what's going on. So I, you know, use lead pages, which sets up, you know, unique links. So that way, anytime anyone from that sponsorship or partnership clicks, I can track how many clicks I have. And then, you know, also using a unique coupon code. So I know how many subscribers I get from that particular initiative. So really tracking my numbers is has been really helpful. So from doing that, I've learned that sponsoring email lists um, can sometimes, depending, and it really, it's like sort of a magic formula, but sort of not because you can look at the numbers, but sometimes I found it's just, some influencers have a better connection with their audience than others. And that comes through in the numbers. <laughs> so sometimes you, I almost have to just try something out with someone 
and see where the numbers fall to then figure out if I want to continue working with them longer term. Just because if two people both have a list of 50,000 people, that doesn't mean both will give you, you know, the same number of subscribers if you do a sponsored email blast just because, you know, maybe their audience is a better fit for me or maybe they just have a better connection with their audience. There's a lot of different things that play there. Mm, that's so true. It's not necessarily just about finding the people with the biggest audience. It's really getting, well, it's the targeting, but it's also that relationship. Because some people, I think, depending on how they've, especially like with email, if they've, if they're a bit spammy to their list, then they're not going to have as good of a relationship or get as many opens as somebody that has a small list, but that the people really like what they're saying and they have a good relationship. Yeah. I mean, that's just so true. And I find that time and again, and it's just something that you can't just look at the numbers. You have to figure out what's that relationship that the influencer has and it, it, it'll show at the end of the day <laughs> who has the better one. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what does your work week look like now? How much time are you spending compared to what you used to? You know, it's funny. Um, if I'm not tracking my hours some weeks, it just, I don't feel like I work that much, but I, I know I actually do um, just because I really enjoy what I'm doing. But And the week will vary from week to week a lot. Sometimes I'll be really deep into meal plan edits because we are creating new meal plans constantly. So I'll go into sort of meal planning mode where I'll be testing recipes in the kitchen or then on a computer actually making the edits. I found that's actually a really good airplane task because there's I don't need the internet and it's good to have no distractions. If I have a long flight, I can really knock out a lot of meal plan edits. Then there's figuring out advertising and marketing. There's different times of the year where I'm doing more of that just because you know meal plans are something that people care about more so say in January than they do in December. So I'm very kind of in tune with when people want to hear about meal planning. <laughs> and gosh, I so I have a I have a small team of um, so Andrea helps with customer service inquiries. So I pass that off fairly early on just you know we get a lot of customers reaching out and um, as much as I like to read through those, and I still do kind of keep in touch with what what we're hearing about, I you know it's easy to get caught up in spending a few hours. A, you know, I know she spends a few hours a day sometimes just responding to customer inquiries. So there's some things like that that I've had to pass off as well. When you were starting out and thinking about making this transition from a personal chef to doing a more leveraged online product, did you have any fears around it? Like, what what came up for you then? Yeah, I did. With the personal chef company, it was actually very like I built it to a very steady, reliable income. I really enjoyed cooking. I thought I was going to miss cooking. Um, I thought I would miss working with my clients. I really love the clients that I had. I actually still have a lot of those clients um, just because I do still. So I still have the personal chef company. I've just hired. Um, it's actually another chef dietitian. I'm a chef and dietitian by background. And uh, the girl that I hired to basically take over the personal chef company has a similar background. And anyway, so she still handles those clients. And, you know, I'm still a part of that business. I still touch base with the clients and see them every now and then and all of that. So it's, you know, still, I still get to be a part of it. And there were some fears about why am I leaving behind this thing that I spent all of this time and energy building up and kind of loved for this, you know, five to seven years of my life. But then I just knew it was time to move on. So um, as scary as that was, I just, I knew that I wanted something more. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think when we're just starting out in something, like maybe when you were just starting your personal chef business, you think, well, when I just reach this certain level, like when I've just got my seven clients all the time and I've got a wait list, then I'll have it made and I won't have to worry about it anymore. But like what you found is then you get there and then it's fine for a while. And then you start to feel like you've outgrown it. And then you're kind of back not back to square one, but you're in the same position again. Then you're growing something new and there's all this uncertainty. Have you found that to be true? That it? Oh, that's so true. <laughs> it's like you really do, you know, the growth, the growth and starting out is, is sort of the, the best part, I guess. <laughs> How so? You mean it's just exciting? Yeah, it's exciting and you're working towards something and you're trying to like accomplish it. And, you know, it's just this energy that goes along with it. And it's, I don't know, I just get really motivated to, I don't, I'm a very driven person, I I guess. Yeah. And once it gets, I think that that happens for a lot of entrepreneurs, like the excitement is envisioning it and creating it and bringing it out into the world. And once, once it kind of becomes repetitive, then, you know, it loses a bit of its fun. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So if you could go back and give yourself some advice when you were just making that transition from an in-person service to online, what would you tell yourself? It's all going to be okay. (laughs) That would be a big thing. Um, I don't know. And also just, just keep going. I guess I've always kept going and I've always had faith, but I think it always helps to just have someone telling you that you're doing the right thing. Because sometimes I, I think from the outside, people must have and still, I wonder if, you know, people from the outside think I'm crazy sometimes because, <laughs> you know, it took a few years to, you know, I've been doing prep dish three and a half years. And the first year, you know, was, was really rough. So I think from the outside, I'm surprised people weren't like, what are you doing? <laughs> Even though I, I knew what I was doing all along, but it just, it does take more time than you would think. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, some people probably were like, what are you doing? Because I think there's, I don't know, at least I know in my life, when I left my corporate job, people are like, why would you leave a good job? Like, are you totally crazy <laughs> to go off into this unknown thing? But it's like, yeah. it sounds like, you know, we're very similar in that way. If you have this, just it's like just compelling you inside to go create this new thing. You, you can't really ignore it for long. Exactly. So how did you, like in those first years when it was, or that first year when it was really rough, how did you keep yourself going? Well, you know, that first year, (laughs) the hard thing was, is I was, you know, I was just doing it all, which, you know, probably looking back wasn't the smartest thing. But, you know, I was still running the personal chef company and cooking for clients. And I was doing the meal plan night on the week and on the weekends. And so I think in your, in my mind, I was just justifying it that, well, this one's, you know, I've got the personal chef company and that's fine. And then I'm just going to do all this on the side. So if it doesn't work out, it, it doesn't, you know, it's not really like, I'm not doing anything that's not creating a profit. But gosh, you can run yourself ragged doing that pretty fast. Mm -hmm. It's funny you said, you know, you wish you could go back and tell yourself like, it will be okay. Just keep going. And I don't know, I've thought about this myself too. Like if you only knew it was going to be okay, like for everybody out there listening to like, if you knew it was going to be okay, what else would you actually create? How much bigger would you play? Mm -hmm. You know, you can get so wrapped up in this self-doubt, like, oh, is it really going to work? Or am I just running myself ragged and it's not going to work and I'm going to be a failure? And like, and so then you try to do it all yourself. But if you knew it was going to be okay, I don't know, maybe you would hire somebody earlier or you'd go for a bigger thing or I don't know. What do you think? Uh, about that? 
Oh, no, I think that's so true. And there's a story, something about, you know, well, it took the, it wasn't until the t- tried number 200 and, you know, so many people quit at like number 15 or even 199. And if you just knew that it was only that one more that was going to push it over, <laughs> you, sh- you would have kept going. And I think so many times I have to keep that image in my head of like, okay, I'm, I've got to be close to the, you know, tipping point, but it's, you just never know where that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And some of it is just like continuing to show up again and again, because so many people do quit. And I think by just showing up, you're practicing and you're learning and you're trying different things. And like, I feel so much that like running businesses, it's just like, it's a bit more scientific than just throwing things against the wall, but like, you're just trying something and trying something and trying something. And then when it gets traction, you like start going down that road and it's like, you just keep going. And I think in Mm -hmm. a way, she who keeps going wins. (laughs) Oh, no, I so agree. I remember seeing that all the time, you know, even with the personal chef company. When I first started, I was like, oh, and I was in Austin, Texas. And like, there's so many personal chefs out there. And it was kind of intimidating. And then as I started doing it for a few years, I realized, gosh, like all those chefs that were around when I first started, there were only a few of us that were still with it a few years later. And, you know, now, you know, having that had that company for seven or eight years, I'm like, there are not many around that, you know, were around when I first started that many years ago. So it really is, you know, just sticking with it. And, but I think with that, that's also, you know, knowing, knowing how to run a business. I see that a lot with the, with personal chefs. It's easy to think that just because you're a good chef, that then you can, you know, start this personal chef company. And I think an advantage that I've always had is I really looked at it as running a business first and being a chef second. Mm. Can you talk a bit more about that? Like what's the mindset or what's the difference do you think between those two types of people or what did you do differently? Well, you know, looking at it from a business perspective of, you know, this is, you know, a business, how much money do I want it to make over the course of a year? I'm not trying to price myself on an hourly rate as I would in a kitchen, but trying to price my services as I would as a company that wants to make X amount of dollars each year. And also, you know, kind of running it from that way. If I were a, a client, how would I want this to run? But then also just, you know, how how is this going to provide me stable income? And what, basically, if I had to create an ideal situation, how would I create that? And then putting that next to like, well, is this something that clients would go for? And, and a, an example is, you know, instead of, you know, a lot of people charge just for one visit. And with my clients, I get them to sign up for a year contract. And a lot of people thought that was kind of crazy that I did that. And I was like, well, that's fine. But if, if I can't get them to sign up for your contract, then maybe I'll find something else to do because that's really what I, I need in order to not be having to hustle every week to fill up my week, you know? And, and I did that. And like I said, I still have clients that have been with me for several years and they, you know, they've never complained about having to commit year after year because they realize it's my livelihood and, so I think there were just things like that, that I looked at it, not from like, what's everyone else doing, but you know, how do I want to do this so that it's a sustainable, reliable business that isn't going to drain my energy either, you know? So now I only send out invoices four times a year instead of every week having to scramble and send out all these invoices and mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, creating systems, you know, that's also a way from a business standpoint, what are systems that I can put into place that really makes this run smoother and easier on my end? And a lot of times those things that make it run easier and smoother on my end are also easier for the client. You know, the client doesn't want to have to constantly pay every single week. If they only have to pay four times a year, that's much easier on them as well. 
But I think a lot of people listening would have like total fears around that. Like, oh my gosh, because say everybody else, all the other personal chefs are charging by the week or by the visit. And you think, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, if I'm only charging, if I make them sign up for a year and only charge them every quarter, I'm not going to get any clients. I mean, did that even cross your mind or were you just like, this is what I need to do. I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, and I think you can start with one client. It's, you know, just because you do it with one client, that doesn't mean all the other clients are going to know that you made that change. So, you know, just try it with one and see if they go for it and then, you know, kind of go from there. But a lot of it, you do have to have the confidence to do that. And I think that that shows through. I can tell like, as I've gone through the years, people are much more likely to sign up for it now because they can see that I have the confidence that like, hey, this is how it's done versus, you know, those first few times. It's kind of like, uh, so (laughs) I think, you know, like if you're timid about it, they can sense that. But if you're really confident about it, that that definitely comes across. So, you know, I know with pricing, it can be really hard, but I think having confidence and repeating your prices several times to yourself, which I remember doing every time I would raise my prices, I would repeat them to myself or I mean, out loud to myself several times just so that way by the time I got in front of a new client, I didn't stumble over the prices and I came across as very confident. Totally. That is hard though. You know, it's something that you have to kind of get past. Yeah. I think that's so interesting about pricing because I think unless you have a ton of confidence, it can be really hard to charge high prices out of the gate. Not that you're even not worth it, but just because when you say it, the person can sense that, that you're not comfortable with it, that you're not confident in those prices, right? So you just have yep. to, I love that you said you would like say it out loud to yourself enough times that you could just say it and sound confident and then, and then get a client at that. Yep. So what about on the personal side? Because you said you've been running the personal chef business for like seven or eight years and now you've had prep dish for a few years. How do you actually keep yourself healthy and sane and balanced while you're, while you're running these different businesses? What do you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, a key has been making some really good hires. I, you know, the personal chef that I hired, she is amazing. It does it, you know, and same thing with the Andrea that I have up on prep dish on the website, you know, both of those girls really like help me sleep at night. <laughs> so, you know, having a good team is critical, but then also like, you know, I kind of am also, I make sure that I put myself first in a way, like I don't wake up and like, turn on my email. I wake up and, you know, I start by doing my meditation and eating breakfast and kind of doing my routine. And I also, I guess, sort of a newlywed. I got married last uh, June and we took four and a half weeks off and went on a honeymoon. That was something that was really important to me. I had to work a lot leading up to that, but me and my husband both are entrepreneurs. And so we, we do work hard, but we also are really into travel and make sure that we take time off for that. And for the most part, try not to be on our computers <laughs> very much when we are doing that travel. Awesome. That's great. So for people out there listening, do you have any advice if somebody's trying to transition from like an in-person business into an online business? Would you, do you have any kind of parting words? <laughs> I think sort of what we talked about earlier, you just, you just kind of have to do it and, and keep doing it, you know, just keep with it. And not like you're redoing the same thing that's not working, but just keep doing it and keep figuring out how to make it better every day. And if you stick with it and kind of have that drive, it, you know, eventually something will click. Awesome. So Allison, tell us where we can find you if people want to get in touch or learn more or sign up for PrepDish. Yeah. So um, I set up a special link. It's PrepDish.com backslash Wellpreneur. 
And I'm also on, you know, social media. So I'm at Preptish on Instagram and Twitter and backslash Preptish on Facebook. So you can also connect with me there as well. Awesome. We'll do that. Thanks so much for being here, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can get everything we talked about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com, or you can get by just tapping the photo of the podcast on your iPhone app and seeing the show notes right there. And also, if you'd like to try out Allison's Prep Dish meal planning service, you can get two weeks for free at prepdish.com slash wellpreneur. Okay, have a fantastic week, and I'll see you back here next week with the next episode.